0: Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here, and we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent, and yet you're not always sure how or when to help with
1: that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading
0: experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids.
1: We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you
0: what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I'm Elaine. It's, I'm Diane. It's just us today. Sometimes and, that's more fun. And what we've decided to do, so, so here's the context. Okay. Years ago, like 10 years ago, when we, we came back from a, a, what was, used to be called the Chad Conference, it's now the International Conference on ADHD, which by the way, I'm hoping they start calling Chadico. That's my... Attico? Oh, I like Attico. that. Chad, Atta, ACO are the three organizations that sponsor this international conference. Yeah,
1: but they're probably I- trying to figure out and fight over which name goes first. Exactly. So maybe it should I think be they're working on it. Added, but- added or something. I don't Adda- know. Chattico.
0: I just think it should be called Chatico. But anyway, because people call it still call it the Chad Conference, and it's yes. not anymore because it's three major organizations. And so 10 years ago, Diane and I came back, and for a couple of years, we would write up kind of, not our notes, but we would write up what we learned. We would do like the bullets of what we were taking away from the conference. And it was cool, right? And so we thought today it might be fun for us to share with you. I was on a group coaching call this week and I was talking to some parents about some, some of the stuff I learned in one of the gaming presentations. And I thought, let's talk about what we learned at the conference, but we can talk about it instead of, you know, trying to write it in a nice, neat little blog.
1: So well, write it in a little blog or do a power, you know, we could do one more PowerPoint. We just, we've got so many of those. It's just, yeah, you
0: know. no, we just want you to, we want to share some of what we learned. And, and as Diane said a minute ago, our brains work very differently. So.
1: Yeah, no, it was really funny because she, you said like, let, let's talk about what we learned. And I'm like, shit, do I remember what I learned? <laughs> you know, it's like, cause it goes in and it sits there in the back of my head until I need it. But like it being able to call it out to share it with somebody else doesn't unless it's in context so just know I'm going to talk about like from a 30,000 foot what it was like and what I noticed and that sort of stuff and maybe Elaine will share some details from some of the presentations and maybe I'll remember some of the details from some of the presentations and maybe I
0: I wouldn't remember it if I didn't take notes let's be honest (laughs) well yeah and even when I take notes (laughs) right (laughs) So where do you want to start? Like, what's the one or few present or concept that's jumping out at you or what's one present?
1: Well, like, let's I mean, I really would love to start at 30,000 feet because a couple of reasons and not everybody knows this story. But you and I, our first kind of engagement together was at the International ADHD Conference Conference, at the Chad conference in 2010. And so there's a lot of great memories. And the other thing not everybody knows is that I met my partner, at a conference five years, the same conference five years later. And so it's like, I have this personal attachment anyway, with the national conference and we've been going to these, this is our 13th one. Technically, I think you've been to 13. I've been to 12. Right we have had a presence at every single
0: international conference on ADHD since 2010 or technically 2011. We were the innovative, one of the innovative programs that was the very start of impact. What was then impact ADHD now impact parents started as an innovative program.
1: Well, so what I was thinking about is kind of how different it is and how the same it is now versus then. And so that's kind of what I wanted to reflect on first is like this sort of there's a lot of people who have been doing this work even longer than we have. 12 years is a long time in an industry. And there's so much that's gone on in brain science and in education and in the world and everything else in the last 12 or 13 years. And, you know, there's still people that have been there even longer than we have sharing their information, sharing their wisdom, doing their research, all of that sort of stuff. So there's some, some consistency and similarity and that's Great because you know we have that foundation. Continuity and is important. Yeah, it's important. And there's this new breath of fresh, fresh air. air. <laughs> yes, it's like I was like looking around, going, "Wait, there's a lot of people here that I just don't know that yeah. you know." And I think part of it was through the pandemic and through the time period over the last three years. Uh, you know, this the growth in uh, supporting our industry, particularly in supporting adults with ADHD. Yeah. Has definitely grown. It's become more commonplace, is such a weird word, but commonplace and, and that sort of thing. So it was like the juxtaposition of the old and the new together was just kind of this overarching feeling that I was getting from the conference. Was there an overarching that. thing?
0: I couldn't, I would just want to stick with that one for a minute because I was right there with you. And let's be really specific there were more people of color mm-hmm. at the conference than there's ever been before, and there were younger people. Than there ever yeah. were before, and these they were speaking.
1: They younger weren't younger just sitting there trying to learn for themselves. They were the experts. They were leading. That's right. Yes, and well, and just some- to say it, Elaine, we're almost sixty, so that's pretty normal. That at some point, that yes. the younger people are going to step into the roles, right?
0: But that we are, we were more along amongst the older guard, yes. versus we are. We still see ourselves as these kind of young upstarts in this industry, right? And in the larger realm of, of mental health, when it comes to bringing coaching to that realm, we are. But yeah. in, the, in the realm of, of kind of the consciousness of ADHD, like there were hundreds and hundreds of, of coaches there who work in the realm of neurodiversity and ADHD. That's a big shift. I mean, 10 years ago, that conference had some coaches, but it wasn't so prevalent.
1: Mm-hmm. And now
0: the coaches are one of the sponsors of the conference. Yeah, I mean, that's a big shift. So, well, and really-
1: that's that. That's the growth in that industry, right? And that the growth in supporting adults. I mean, I think that you know, when you and I started, one of the things we always would say is that there was lots of help for kids and no help for parents, and there was like a little teeny tiny bit of help for adults. It, well, um, there was Ada. So yeah. Ada's
0: always been there for the adults.
1: I'm trying to remember what year Ada started. I don't even. It's
0: it, it's, it predates. Maybe not Chad, but it certainly predates ACR. That has been yeah. around for for decades. That is the ADHD adult, adult adult organization, basically, and they do amazing work and and support groups. and Big fan, big fan. And it was around, and they had an annual conference. and And just a little bit of history, just for the fun of it. There used to be three conferences a year. Mm-hmm. The Chad Conference. Chad is the Children and Adults with ADD, um, which is an International nonprofit. That was the biggest one. And then there was a smaller conference, usually in the summer, that Ada sponsored. And then there was an even smaller conference that the ACO, the ADHD Co- ADHD Coaches Co- Co- organization. organization, sponsored. And in about 20, I think J- Jeff said it was 2015 or 2016, Jeff Copper made this suggestion. And Jeff and I kind of coordinated this meeting at an ACO conference in, in Maryland. To bring the three organizations together to talk about joining forces to create one organization, one conference, because it was depleting resources Yeah, to have. It, it just wasn't an efficient use of resources. And it started, I think, 2016 was the first year. I can't remember exactly.
1: But I it's, think maybe after that. it was. I think it was later than that. Maybe, maybe 2017. 18. Right. But it's it's
0: yeah, that may be you're right. But now to see all of these organizations coming together, working together, all of these different professionals coming together and working together in a much more fluid way, it was kind of radical five years ago. And now it's now it's the norm and it's bringing in all of this new energy. You've got people who are educators and people who are social media people and people doing research and coaching and. So I'm with you, Diane. From a kind of macro lens, it was a very different conference than it's ever been. It was yeah. more inclusive, more integrated, more comprehensive.
1: Well, and I and I want to say so. I it was joking because I don't know if anybody heard. I did. I think it was Ada did a pre conference webinar you know, that I participated. Did. Yeah. It's like, it a was sort brought,
0: of sponsored by the conference.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, but okay. So we did like a, an hour long, Hey, come to the conference. It's awesome thing. And I was joking about the fact that my neurodiversity is introversion and I go to these conferences and they just exhaust me because it's hard to be out with people period. And, uh, you know, you know, a lot of people with ADHD have a lot of energy. And so it, it can be really exhausting. But the thing I, one of the things I liked was that we were doing it hybrid, right? So yes, we've been, we were so excited to be together with each other mm-hmm. and the fact that we were hybrid and there were some people that were still able to participate from their homes, from their communities, a more affordable way, a more, you know, cost-effective way. And you know, there was a couple of times I snuck up to my room and like, listened to the keynote from my, my hotel room. room instead of <laughs> in the, the big giant conference room with a, you know, 250 people in it, just cause it was, more than that, yeah. it felt, it felt more balanced, right. It's a sort of a, a nice way to do it. Well, and then for those of
0: us who do have ADHD, even as an introvert, that being with your people just feels so fun. So like the second day, there was some woman walking through this hallway, this one main hallway saying, has anyone lost their cell phone? Has anyone lost their cell phone? And I'm (laughs) cracking up because you just don't see that at other spaces and conferences. But at at an international conference on ADHD, it's kind of the norm. So it was really fun. It was great to reconnect with our friends and colleagues, and to meet people we've been working with for years that we've never met. I got to meet Liz Angoff and so many people. Renee Brooks, I well, hadn't I'd worked with but never met. There were so many people.
1: Yeah, well, and so then the other thing. So yes, the crowd and the people that were there has you know expanded. The other thing was just kind of watching the information expand, and yeah, you know, we joke about just how fast neuroscience has grown over the last 20 years, but it really has, I mean, it's astonishing just how much information we have about the brain and about emotions and about, you know, everything. Right. And so part of what was cool about the conference is that there's some people that go there that they're like brand new to this. They don't even understand executive function. What is ADHD? What's really going on in my brain, my kid's brain, my, you know, my partner's brain, whoever you're there for And there's like cutting edge stuff for the people who have been doing this for 20, 30 years to go, oh, wait, that's new. That's interesting. I never knew that.
0: Yeah. I mean, there was stuff about a polyvagal theory and vagal nerve. There was, there was um, somatic work that was being happening. Mm -hmm. There were lots of mindfulness opportunities. All of that is something that shifted in the last 10 years. Yeah, there was. There was a lot of, the, the innovation is happening. And you know, one of the things I've been aware of is there's all this stuff on neuroscience and we're really all about neurodiversity. And this is one of those rare places where, where there's this application of neuroscience to neurodiversity, right? We're not just talking about the objectiveness of what is neuroscience, but we're applying it to say, how does that apply to people who are neurodivergent?
1: Well, and I think that that's really an interesting thing because there are a lot of people in neuroscience. There was a couple of situations where I noticed I was sitting in the room and there were neuroscientists in the room that had a really great understanding of the neuroscience. They didn't quite understand the ADHD, the the neurodiversity, or they they didn't quite understand the reality of it. So there were times that they would make suggestions and we're all kind of sitting in the room scratching our heads and going, Wait, have yeah. you ever lived with a person with ADHD? That's really may not be a realistic suggestion. Just say
0: no may not be the
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, so I want to watch our time. Let's talk about some of the presentations we attended. One of the ones I want to talk about. So I want to look at the we both went to some on sort of technology and gaming. Mm-hmm. We both went to some on sort of emotional management. Is well, and just to theme? say,
1: like, yeah, and so those of you, I don't even know when this is airing, but we did if this is airing in January, we did two webinars in December that <laughs> <laughs> were with people that that so Randy Coleman and Sharon Celine both so Sharon was talking about anxiety and ADHD and Randy was talking about technology and so those are examples of stuff that kind of fit in those two realms that we thought were great to bring to our audience as well. So if you're in and our community two already. More
0: con- two more also in January. What in we January. like to do with the conference is, is take some of the, the most applicable presentations to our audience and then invite those those guests those experts to to bring them to our audience in december and january so we're doing that again this year
1: so if you're not on our mailing list already get on our mailing list right so you can listen to the recordings (laughs) we usually leave them up until february or march at least and so You can always ask us. Hey, let me listen to those webinars you did in December, or this may air in December. I don't know when. Whenever so you're listening, we're going to
0: gonna put a link in the show notes. And, there we go. And you can join our community and get notices about upcoming events. Okay. So what I want to do is talk. Can we talk about some of the emotional stuff first before we go to the screen stuff? You yeah. Like because there yeah. were two presentations that that jumped out to me. One is Letic. Ledik did this, he did a piece on the ABCs of emotional self-regulation. I think you were in there. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was. I think we were
0: both there. And, and for that one, so I wanted that one and Liz Angoff's are the two I want to talk about first.
1: Well, and I was in Marcy, is it Marcy Caldwell? Is that right? Caldwell, who was yeah, awesome. Hallwell. Oh my gosh. And, God, she, and so I think great. she might be, she might, we're going to either have her on the podcast or we're going to have her kind of going through some of this stuff with us too.
0: No question. No questions. Uh, so that's the other thing you've got lots of great podcasts to look forward to. And yes, because we met based a lot of really, really new we ran cool into people. Again in 2022. Um, OK, so I want to talk about about Larry's, the ABCs first, because what really st- struck me was it his thesis was we need a better relationship with our emotional selves that is less dismissive and more understanding, yes. which is exactly what we're all about. And so what I loved about some of these presentations, you know, maybe this is my ego, whatever, but some of them were like what I love about it was it validates our work. Yeah. And sometimes yeah, we sit there and we go. Yeah, that's it. That's what we're teaching. And and I
1: got about halfway through his presentation and I'm like, hey, wait, this is internal family systems, which is something I've been studying a lot and using a lot in my private client um, situations and groups too, I guess. But it's this concept that, you know, if we're dysregulated or whatever emotions we're experiencing, it's not necessarily all of us that's angry, right? It's not necessarily all of us that's disappointed or grieving or whatever else. And if we can see it as a part of us, rather than, you know, being taken over and consumed by the emotion, we can say, okay, wait, a part of me is really angry right now. This is really helpful for me in my personal relationship because like I'll make a face and, and my partner will be like, wait, are you mad at me? And I'm like, well, part of me is mad at you. And, And it's, it's in charge of my face right now, but part of me is okay. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So it's that idea that, that the emotions are real. And if we try to shut them down or we try to turn them off or we try to flip them, we're going to handle this situation really differently than if we go, okay, wait, this is real for me. This is part of what's going on. I got to create a relationship with this part of me and figure out what this part of me needs so that I can move through the emotion more effectively. Where were you going to go with that? Because that's well, really what so stood up for me.
0: I actually took notes on this one. So okay. I'm going to run through some notes a little bit because it was really interesting. So again, we need a better relationship with our emotional selves that's not dismissive and that's more understanding. Right, so we talked about interoception, which is sensing that internal state of the body, both the conscious and the unconscious, which is kind of what Diane's speaking to, like doing a status report, a like the step. meta,
1: like what what's my brain doing, what's my body doing, right?
0: And he talked about all the the systems that are combining to create this, and I'm not going to go into all the detail, but and one of the things that really struck me, he said, we translate feelings into thoughts with judgments and self-judgments, and it becomes a feedback loop. So we have thought-driven emotions. And I think we talk about this a lot. It's like, it's the thought we're telling, we have this feeling, and then we tell ourselves something based on the feeling. And then we act based on the thought as if that thought is true. Rather It may not have anything to do with truth. It has to do with with what our body is sensing as a feeling.
1: Well, and the thing that comes up, I don't know if you're going there next, but I've heard this so many times, the the feeling, the emotion, the thing in our body actually lasts about 90 seconds. And if we can just sit and go sad, 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 right? But the minute we add a a thought to it, it it can go on for years, right? It's just sort of, I could... (laughs) <laughs> I can remember that thing that happened to me in fifth grade, I call back that emotion immediately because I created a story about what happened when I felt embarrassed in fifth grade. Right. So yes.
0: And so basically what he said is our feelings are complex body bodily signals. And if they're rooted in self-protection or safety, you're embarrassed, right? Yep. That experience, they overrule everything else. Hmm. And so part of what happens in our family dynamics is when our kids are trying to protect themselves, when we're trying to protect ourselves, when we feel threatened, when they feel threatened, that tends to overrule everything else. So the I'm mad at you becomes more prominent than I love you. Mm -hmm. Um, So he talked about the ABCs of emotional connection. And this is based on a book and work called Focusing by Eugene Gendlin and I think Anne Weiss Cornell or Weiser Cornell. So ABC, and and this is, again, this was really validating. A is acknowledging without judging or fixing. B is being with, being with what's present as a part of yourself, just like Diane was describing. And then C is bringing compassion and empathy. And this is, you know, when those of you who know we teach ACE, another note, if you'll write it down to put ACE, a link to ACE in the show notes. ACE is a method we teach, Acknowledgement, compassion before you explore your options. There's this pause. And so he's talking about the ABCs, acknowledging, being with, and compassion. That's that A, AC, AC.
1: When so we can ace ourselves. Right. And not just ace the other person, right?
0: Exactly. So I'm going to not get too com- any deeper than that into my nose, But he said yeah. we've learned to relate to our feelings and our feelings are subverbal. And so what we really want to do is begin to pay attention to how we're relating to our own feelings. And that a part of me is feeling without judging ourselves or judging other people for the way that we're feeling to notice them and be with them.
1: Well, and it's the distinction, I think, and I'm watching our time. We got to figure out what, how many hours we're going to talk about this stuff, but uh, (laughs) the difference between a thought and an emotion or the feeling between a feeling and emotion. And I think that that's really the thing that's most telling for me is like this sort of reaction that our body does to a protective reaction. Mm -hmm. And the minute our brain gets involved, Mm -hmm. it becomes complicated and convoluted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Anything else you want to throw in? Let's just stick with emotion and stuff today. And then maybe we'll do another one about screens and videos. How about that?
1: We can. Sure. Okay. So, I mean, I think the other thing about emotional regulation is just this, the brain and the bodies need to be safe, right? It's a sort of a lot of times we talk about, and we think about the the anatomy of a trigger, right? It's a sort of, and just how automatic this sort of stuff is and, I think that sometimes we pre- pretend is such a weird word, but pretend that we can control it, right? Just, we, you tell know, ourselves, yeah. we tell ourselves, okay, yeah, I'm just going to not get mad or I'm just going to not do this or not do that. And that's a very different perspective than, okay, you're going to do that. You do it automatically. You actually don't have control over the fact that you do it. And you can do it with grace and ease and and more, more, you know, gentleness, uh, and, gentleness, maybe, or, or compassion for yourself, you know, a way that doesn't damage your personal relationships. I mean, all those sort of, sort you of things. You can do it right? without
0: judgment. You yeah, know, it's that you can do it. Matter of fact, you can do it, it. You know, I often say it's we're not responsible for our first thought. We are responsible for our second one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. We can catch ourselves and reframe and redirect. We can slow ourselves down. We can give ourselves the breath. We can take a time out. We cannot stop maybe that initial trigger, but we can shift what happens after it.
1: Well, and I think that one of the things that I wrote down is that we're not choosing to overreact, right? Our kids are not choosing to overreact, right? It's this sort of when we look at our kids and we say, "You're overreacting," right? And it's this sort of—it's not like they're doing it on purpose. It's literally a a bodily response, a, a amygdala response to fear, insecurity, and lack of safety.
0: Yeah. So anything else you want to bring in from Marcy Caldwells? Because Marcy's was so good. Diane texted me and she's like, this one's great. You got to come. And I, I left whatever I was in and went. Well,
1: to, I, yeah, again, it it's thing. like, we liked it so much. We, we really wanted to I think that the thing that I loved and is just that it's more than just, it's more than just trigger. It's about understanding what's going on in the brain. We, we talk about executive function as a thing, oh, it's a problem of executive function. But if we really kind of go back and look at what is it that leads us to dysregulation? What is it that leads, what is it that makes hard makes it hard for a dysregulated human to even engage and follow up? I mean, she was talking about this dad who was losing his cool with his kids trying to get out the the door in the morning. And it went all the way back to the night before. It usually does. Uh, yeah, and- The things that we say, well, if you prepare the night before, and she was explaining why it's like virtually impossible for this human with ADHD to prepare the night before, because the, the impetus to prepare is not there The it's not now. It's like, it's, it's just kind of this sort of explains the perfect storm that those Mm -hmm. of us who are neurotypical, more neurotypical, I'm going to say it that way, more neurotypical don't get. Right. Because we say, well, if you just I'd mom with this yesterday, she's like, well, I sat down with my kids and I said, here's all the things you have to do the night before to make your morning easier. <laughs> well, that's, it's that's like, just just even just the idea of they're on a list, <laughs> just even the idea of doing something the night before, when you're completely thinking you're somewhere else the night before, you're not in school the night before, you're not getting ready the night before.
0: Well, and a lot of our kids are in there's now and there's not now. And the night yeah. before is not now. Yeah, it's not the next morning.
1: Yeah, so it just was this great convolution and I'm not going to explain it well, which is why we're going to have Marcy come and explain it to you. We are is... definitely having Marcy come. Yeah, <laughs> no mostly question. because Diane doesn't remember all the details well enough to explain it without going back and reading it seven more times. All
0: right, I've got one more I want to talk about on this in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's, there's a phenomenal woman named Liz Angoff and I've had her on the podcast before. I'm going to have her come back. One of our clients introduced uh, me to her and i'm so thrilled she was at the conference and presented at the conference cuz i i was like you are going to present at the conference right and she's and so i'm owning her i'm taking responsibility for wait till you see her source she's amazing She's a psychologist and what she does is she's come up with this really interesting way to explain complex brains to kids Mm. so that, and, and right now she's got books out for professionals to use for psychologists and people who are diagnosing to use with kids. She's got one book for younger kids, another book for teens to how to talk to kids about their diagnosis And she's now working um, on a book for parents and actually gave me the first draft to review. We're going to talk about it this week. I'm very excited. So I love her work, y'all. And I'm so excited to see where she's going to go in in the coming years. Um, Her premise is that if we talk to kids... And in a way that's non-confrontational, that relates to the way they think, that connects to metaphors that speak to them, we can really invite them to understand their own neurodiversity, whatever that is. And she goes through some examples and her books are great about how to attach, so much of it is a coach approach. It's attaching to what's in it for them, connecting instead of lecturing them or talking at them. It's asking questions to enroll them to get their engagement, their buy-in in understanding themselves and their brains. She talks about, she's got some acronyms for how to do it, keep it short, revisit it, validate. But the, the most interesting part of what she does and my note, Diane, here's another one is we need to start sharing her in our social media feed mm-hmm. a little bit more. And then also Don- Danny Donovan, because she uses a lot of her work. So, but she uses this metaphor of highways and construction zones mm-hmm. and helps kids see how their brain works literally neurons and pathways and all that by talking about when you're on a highway and when you hit a construction zone and what comes easily is what happens when you're kind of cruising down the highway and what the challenge areas are, what happens when you go through a construction zone. And so they're not roadblocks. They're just construction. It's just challenge areas. And that might be, it's hard to focus on boring things or it's hard to, I get stressed out when there's too much to do or I don't want to work so hard, whatever it is, helping kids understand their construction zone. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just a new, it's a different languaging. It's very much in alignment with the coach approach. She had all of us go through this exercise and rather than doing it for for one of my kids or for a kid in my practice, I actually did it for myself. And what I came up with was for me, ADHD means that my brain works best when it's really super clear what it's supposed to be doing and when to do it and when it doesn't take too long. And that was a great awareness for me. And I'm, you know, 58 years old, but that hurt. She took us through a very simple process to help me understand when my brain works well, rather than only looking at where it has trouble.
1: Well, and that's, so. I mean, so let's kind of wrap that back into the message for a mess another message for parents because there's so many messages in this. But yeah. part of what I take away from those conferences is just how people, there's so many people at that conference that are thriving in with neurodiverse brains, right? Yes. And, and, you know, a lot of times our, you know, as parents, we come in here and like, my kid's stuck. My kid's not going to school. My kid's not whatever else, right? It's just sort of the idea that our kids need role models, like that our kids need inspiration, our kids need to focus on their strengths. Our kids need to, I mean, I, I'm saying need to, it's like the sort of the, the tools that can be helpful in getting our kids out of that stuck place is, you know, it's like all of our kids have some superpower. It's about helping them find out what it is. Yes. And there wasn't, I don't, I don't think I saw, I'm sure that there was, you know, that sort of Focus on the strengths. Ned Hollowell was not there this year. We missed him. but And he's always the one that reminds us, like, let's celebrate and focus on the strengths. But just the beauty of all the strengths in that conference.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm reminded you
0: and I did a podcast with Jonathan Mooney, and which if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend. And one of the things he talked about, he referenced somebody who talked about tutor the strengths. hmm Right. Don't tutor the deficits. I mean, sure, tutor the deficits, but tutor the strengths, cultivate right. the strengths. And and there's a lot in this in this emotional regulation that's about acknowledge and recognize the emotional challenge or difficulty or feelings or or concerns. Be gentle with ourselves around them. Be gentle with our kids. Be kind. Right. Take out the judgments, say matter of fact. And then lean into the strengths and, and look at the capacity and, and help, our, help ourselves and our kids understand how we are successful instead of only looking at how we're not.
1: Well, and the challenges are going to happen. And the reality right. is everybody everybody has challenges. It's just a matter of what flavor are they, right? Right. And so we have to have, wrap this up because I have yep. a client in one minute. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so thanks Again, so much. It's, it's for letting us rip everybody. Awesome. We hope you join us next year at the conference, whether you join us live in Maryland or hybrid and lots of great stuff coming to you in 2023 from the conference, from people we met and talked to and learned from and learned with. And anything else, Di?
1: Thanks for what you're doing for yourself and for your kids. At the end of the day, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Take care, everyone.
0: You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash Sanity School.